body. Matthew chapter 12, just a reminder word here. I'll just take a few minutes to do this, starting in verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And I want to remind you that we are all caught up together in this cosmic battle between two kingdoms, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, and the kingdom of God and his son, Christ Jesus, the kingdom of light. And I know we know that, but sometimes it's easy to forget it because we're so earthy. We're wearing these suits. We've got feelings and emotions, and we have these long-term relationships that seem like they should be forever, and they are, but then people die, and we forget. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan have some similarities, and they have some differences, and I want to talk about that just for a few minutes. One kingdom is temporary. Amen to that? Praise the Lord, the kingdom of darkness is temporary. It's a small and passing thing, this darkness, as Andrew Peterson says. The kingdom of light, though, is eternal. It's a forever kingdom. It, it, is, it is now, and it will be in the future. It will never end. It's just this thing called time that envelops this kingdom of darkness. That's all it is. Kingdom of darkness is a short-term thing. Short-term over how many thousands of years, I don't know, but it has a beginning and it has an end. Both kingdoms are spiritual and invisible. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, both are spiritual kingdoms. They both cannot be seen, but they both manifest in the physical, in our everyday life. Maybe you've noticed the kingdom of darkness manifests itself like what? Fill in the gaps. Murder, fear, hate, sickness, anxiety, all sin, abortion, divorce, child abuse, cancer, you name it, everything. Kingdom of darkness manifests in the physical realm starts in the invisible, invisible in the spiritual. Kingdom of light, order, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. The sick get healed. There is, there's, there's a beauty in a marriage relationship like Christ in the church. Children are loved on. There's harmony in the home, Right? People get it free from addiction. They walk in freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so what that says to me is, wherever the Spirit of God is, wherever Jesus is, His kingdom is. Wherever Jesus is not, I understand He's omnipotent. He's everywhere all the time. But wherever Jesus is not ruling and reigning, then the kingdom of darkness reigns. The kingdom of darkness manifests itself there. Both kingdoms operate in a location called the heavenly realms. Ephesians 
gets this out in the open for us. Praise God, Ephesians 1.3. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, where? In the heavenly realms. But then he gets to Ephesians 6, and he says that we war against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there's this thing called the heavenly realms, and both kingdoms are fighting back and forth, back and forth. Both kingdoms have government, rulers, and authority. The kingdom of darkness is ruled by Satan, or as my son Asher calls him, S-guy. The S-guy. There you go. Sorry. He's the ruler of this world in John 12. He's the ruler of the authority of the air in Ephesians chapter 2. And then subordinately, the kingdom of darkness is ruled and served by demons, Satan's angels. And it's physically governed by unregenerate vessels for his use, men and women who are slaves to sin. So let's get that right. It's, it's headed up by Satan, the kingdom of darkness is. It's subordinately ruled by principles and powers in the air, by powerful demons. And then it's governed on earth by unregenerate men and women, slaves to sin, who are vessels for his use. They've been taken captive to do his will, is what the scripture says. On the other side, kingdom of light is also a kingdom of order. There's a rule that comes directly from the Godhead, Christ Jesus, who then has subordinate rulers, angels governing in the heavenly realms. We have Gabriel, we have Michael, the archangel, multiple different ones. And then physically on earth, it's governed by his regenerated vessels for his use, redeemed mankind who are slaves to righteousness. Mankind is a slave, no matter which way you go. You are a slave to sin, ultimately the devil, or you are a slave to righteousness in Christ Jesus. There's only two races on the planet, the Adam race and the Jesus race. Only two types of men, those who are slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. And the kingdom is ordered from the top down on both sides. I know you know this. This is just a reminder. I'm going to get to my point here in just a second. Take a right to Luke chapter 17, if you would. Starting in verse 20. Luke 17, 20. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to the disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Don't go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, from east to west, it says. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 27, people were eating and drinking, marrying, being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. 
It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Last verse, verse 30. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. So he makes it clear here that the kingdom of God is already here. Jesus says, don't go looking for the kingdom of God as if to say, here it is, or there it is, or go look for it over here. The kingdom of God is where, y'all? In you. It's among you. It's with you. Now, hold on. Why is he talking about that someday the kingdom of God is going to look like something different in the future? How can that be? How can the kingdom of God be here, but not yet all the way here? The Bible is very clear about that. We have a spiritual kingdom first. Remember when Jesus was talking to Herod and Herod was like, if you, if you just play along, I'll let you go. And Jesus says, my kingdom's not of this world. If it was, I'd have angels come and they'd deliver me and there'd be a big army. There'd be this big uprising, which is why the Pharisees were asking him, when's the kingdom of God coming? We want to see the Romans overthrown and the Jews ruling. Jesus said, no, no. My kingdom is an internal heart kingdom first. It's a spiritual, invisible kingdom. It changes you from the inside out. But soon there's coming a day, and we're going to look here, when the eastern sky will be split, Jesus will come back and there will be a physical manifestation of his kingdom. No more sickness, no more death, no more sorrow, no more darkness ever again. What a great day that's going to be. The kingdom of God is here and it is yet still to come. The second coming brings the fullness of his kingdom. The first coming brought his kingdom among us. The second coming, like lightning, brings his kingdom on the entire planet. The conflict, take a right to Luke chapter 21. The conflict between these two spiritual, invisible kingdoms and it's no clearer than today, that conflict is being played out in something like this. Verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. Pop over to verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. Why? For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. There's a war in the heavenly realms right now that's manifesting out in the physical as we see it today. The heavenly bodies are being shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. What should we do? Should we faint from tear, uh, fear sorry, and terror in verse 26? Should we faint from terror? That's the temptation. If I watch the news for like, more than, if I look at it more than once every day or so, I just feel terror in my soul. I'm like, what about my kids? I don't care if I go, but they got to be raised. What about my home? What about just, what about, what about, what about? I'm terror, terror, terror. We could do that or we could do verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. What a great verse. You can do one of two things. I'm pleading with you to do the second one. 
Please don't faint from terror. Please don't draw back and stock up on your ammunition and your guns and your whatever survival. Prepare, take care of your family. That's great. Don't do that and miss out on the glorious thing that's happening today. Stand up. Lift up your eyes. Let your language be different around people. The Son of Man is drawing near. The kingdom is about to be transformed here on earth. It's going to be a glorious day. You remember Revelation 11? You don't have to flip there. After the seventh trumpet, what does it say? Behold, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. That word become is where we're at right now. The word become is really where the fight is because there's an invading kingdom coming in here, yes? There's an invasion from the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. And that battle taking place in the spiritual heavenly places is manifesting now. So we stand up, we lift up our eyes. To sum up, the spiritual kingdom of God is here with tastes and manifestations into the physical we see people healed at house church. We, we see people restored, addictions broken off. We, we see the kingdom of God coming. Yes, Lord, that we would see days when healing is not, it was commonplace. That, that we would see people raised from the dead. It would be commonplace. Yes, but Lydia Humig, who got her migraine healed, is going to die someday. I hope it's a long time away for you, but she will die. That migraine was not the end all. That we got a manifestation of the kingdom here, but she has been subjected to death like the rest of us because of the curse. And it's appointed for man to die once. Lazarus had another funeral, as Sam has said multiple times. We don't see it yet in fullness, but it's coming. We get tastes of it. We get foretastes. How good can it be in a marriage and how sweet can it be with kids? Oh man, how good it's gonna be in the new heaven and the new earth with all the family of God together. How good can it be? It's gonna be amazing. The physical worldwide takeover of the kingdom of God is almost here. It's right at the door. It's right at the door. Okay, let's try to land this plane with some practical, how does this, how do we do this? What does this look like? We know there's two kingdoms, we know they're operating. How then should we live? Knowing all that, where's the rubber meet the road with how we should live? And I want to finish up with this here. I propose to you that you should live like Abraham, as he's described in Hebrews chapter 11. I propose to you that by faith, it says, Abraham lived like a stranger in a foreign country. By faith. I want to encourage you to live and to think like a stranger in a foreign land because our roots can't go too deep here because we, we're called to another home someday soon. We have to travel light. Abraham lived in tents. I think it was uh, Joel Jordan said this to me the other day. He said, you know, when you follow the cloud by day, you have to be able to move quickly. When you follow the fire by night, you have to be able to move quickly. I thought that's such a good analogy. When you're in a tent, you got to have the pegs down in the sand deep enough to where when the wind comes and the elements come, it doesn't blow over. You gotta, have, you gotta be secure, some sense of security. 
But man, when that cloud comes, you don't want to have like pylons going down to bedrock 25 feet in the ground. You don't want to have a foundation poured for that tent. It would be a waste of time. Don't invest in this world like you're staying in it long because you're not. Invest in the world to come. Jesus says, uh, Abraham traveled light, like living in tents. It was, he was looking forward, not backward. He was looking forward to a city that had foundations. The city of God does have foundations. That's a good thing. Tents, it would be silly to have a foundation. The city of God will never go anywhere. It has a foundation forever and ever. He admitted and acknowledged that he was a foreigner and a stranger on this earth. This is actually the, the faithful ones. They admitted with their mouths that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth, that this world had nothing for them. And then lastly, they were looking for a better country. They were looking for a country that, that was built by God, that was brought to them by God. So they were looking for a better country. They were thinking about a better country and they were longing for a better country is what Hebrews says. They were looking with their eyes for something. They were thinking about it on a regular basis and that created this longing in their heart. But first they had to admit it. They had to say they were strangers and foreigners on this earth. I wonder if that would be helpful for you this week to admit that. When you come against the problem or the sewer at your house that backs up and it's just, why? I just want it to work right. I just want life to go smoothly. I want a wrinkle-free life that we could admit I'm a stranger. We know this. I'm a stranger and I'm a foreigner here because what we say becomes what we look at and what we look at becomes what we think about and what we think about becomes what we long for. Paul says there are people who long for his appearing. And then some people don't. Some people are fine here. I'm very comfortable here. I don't long for his appearing. Can we admit that's a problem? That's a problem. I've been there. I like my wife. I like my babies. Life's good. Everybody's healthy. Let's just build some tents here, like Peter says. Let's camp on this mountain. No, 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 no. Long for heaven. And if you don't, the Lord will help you. So I want to encourage you just practically as I wrap up here to keep your eyes on a different country. Pray for the peace of Babylon. We're here temporarily. He said, pray for the peace. But look at a different country. Think about it. Admit you're a foreigner in exile here and your heart begins to change. So Jesus, I pray that you would do this in each one of our hearts, Lord. Pray you would set us free, God, from a focus on this earth, a longing for this earth. I pray, God, for the city of El Dorado. Lord, we're asking, God, that you would do a miracle here, that you would manifest your kingdom that is among us right now, manifest it all over the city of El Dorado. I pray, Father, wherever darkness is ruling and reigning, Drive it out in Jesus' name.